Welcome to Waterbrook Church, located in Victoria, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today as Pastor Kevin Diddley starts a new series entitled, All is Calm, All is Bright. Seven Bible passages that can bring peace and hope to the church in a time of chaos and uncertainty. For the last six Sundays in 2020 and the first in 2021, we're going to study the final seven passages of scripture that are part of our Church Fighter Versus Memory Program. We thought that in this time of chaos and uncertainty, the best thing that we can do is try to get in God's word deep into our hearts and lives. We are doing so that we might help each other be filled with peace and hope in these crazy COVID times. So would you be willing to join us in this? Would you take up the challenge to memorize some or all of these passages? Would you be willing not only to finish 2020 by kneading God's word into your heart and mind and life, but to jump on 2021 with comfort, encouragement, and hope of the scriptures? Today's sermon is entitled, From Groaning to Glory, Pleading That Pleases and Persuades God. Let's worship together. Well, can I invite you to take your Bible and turn to a new passage of Scripture? We're not in Philippians anymore. We're going to go to Psalm 79, Psalm 79 today. And um, let me just say a couple of things just with everything that's going on. We're doing our best to facilitate uh, all the shifting events of culture and serve you. And so if you need anything, I just want to um, say, let us know at the office. Our desire is to humbly serve you and to be available to minister to you as best we can, so please let us know. For those of you who are visiting today, welcome. We're glad that you're here and uh, trust that you'll be encouraged in the Lord. Diana has uh, made cookies. Of course, what happened was the children's ministry has shifted, and uh, so she had a lot of goodies out there, but on your way out, she's been baking and providing, so thanks, Diana, for trying and seeking to serve us during these times, and um, I just want you to know as we're transitioning uh, through this next little while, we're starting a new sermon series called All is Calm, All is Bright, and of course, you know that's from the Christmas hymn, Silent Night, All is Calm, All is Bright, and what we're going to do is we're going to walk through our fighter verses. And so a couple things with that is I really want you to encu- I want to encourage you to memorize scripture between now in the next uh, several weeks to the end of the year. Whatever's going on culturally, the word of God is to give you peace by anchoring you in the glory of God and in Christ. All is calm and to give you hope. All is bright. God is not off the throne and his purposes cannot fail. And so as we began to talk about doing this, it was really kind of fun to look at our memory verses. So let me remind you, you can go on uh, your app on your phone, look for an app called Fighter Verses. You can download that and it'll have the date. We are in section four. So there's like five years of memory verses. We're in section Oh, we're in five? Oh, this is section five. Good. So Diana, as you know, she posts them. She, uh, she does the graphic design for the verses and publishes them. I think you're working on next year's as well. So look for the date for the last week, and we're in Psalm 79.9. Anybody memorize this week? Um, we had Gloria jump up here as usual in the first service. She had it. Um, anybody? So h- how does it go? Psalm 79.9, help us. O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. 
uh, deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. That's what Psalm 79, 9 says. And the part I want you to focus on this morning, and I like this because Psalm 79 is a lament. And I felt like this is a good week to start with a lament. And I'm going to give you the context in Psalm 79 for that verse that we've just memorized. When we make our way to uh, the next several weeks with that, we will get to the first, we'll finish this selection of verses on the first Sunday of January, and we'll be in Revelation 22, beginning of the year, where God promises, I will make all things new. And uh, so, um, memorizing the scripture is designed to give you vocabulary for the experiences of life that are unpredictable and often shaking and threatening. And that's why we want you to memorize Scripture, because sometimes you don't know what to say. Sometimes it's difficult to know how to think. This is really a difficult time for those of us who are in leadership, to kind of walk through all the news and all the demands and all the realities of what's going on and to lead God's people in a way filled with hope, filled with joy, on mission for God. That's what we're trying to do. Um, But we're going to try to do this in a safe and effective way over the next little while. So Psalm 79 today, what I am doing is I am going to give you, this this is where we are in our fighter verses, Psalm 79 is a lament. And I think it's really important for Christians to know how to lament, to think about what lamenting is. We have the book of Lamentations in the Bible for a reason. Because you get to see in uh, the life of Jeremiah deep groaning. Is is this not a time of deep groaning in our lives? At a whole bunch of levels, it's deep groaning. For me this last week, multiple opportunities to groan. So my sister-in-law is battling cancer. And, you know, Sunday night she got some difficult news. And with COVID going on, my brother-in-law couldn't even be with her. So here's my sister-in-law in the hospital, nobody able. So we were praying on, on Sunday night and on Monday that she would get some contact. And, and Fred, my brother-in-law, got permission to get in the hospital and be with her. But then we saw this kind of sad picture from our nieces uh, that sent a picture of it, that Fred and Kathy are in the window of the hospital and, and the kids are on the outside. <laughs> and you know, as a... As a family member, it's just, you're groaning, it's COVID, and it's the, the reality of life. And that's not just for us. This, this is being played out in funerals that we've just had. It's playing out in the lives of many of you who have had people who are ill and going through difficulty, the job unsettledness. All of this is deep groaning. The good news is the Bible lets you groan. And the Bible gives you vocabulary for groaning. Psalm 79 is important because it allows you and shows you how to lament. And so I'm just going to give you the structure of it for today. I'm going to have to be, try to be, a, try as a dibbly can to be concise and walk you through this. But let me, um, let me read to you a couple of quotes from Mark Vogrops. Uh, Um, book, um, Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy. And it's a book that is about 
how the Bible teaches Christians to lament. So here are a few quotes from his book. He says, you might think lament is the opposite of praise. It isn't. So I want you to pause. It isn't. Instead, lament is a path to praise as we are led through our brokenness and disappointment. So isn't that good to know that the Bible provides language for you that you want to put in your heart that walks you through disappointment to praise? Now listen to what he says here. This is how the space between brokenness in God's and God's mercy is where this song is sung. So yesterday, my son-in-law, my daughter and my son-in-law in Toronto were burying Nick Challies. Steve was a pallbearer, and he gave the eulogy, and Nick died playing soccer three weeks ago in Louisville, and they couldn't get his body back, and because of COVID restrictions, took three weeks for the funeral. So yesterday, they're doing that, and there's just this deep groaning, but it's a groaning that has hope in it. But we're in that middle line between deep grief and deep groaning and the reality of the mercy. There is hope yet to come. Lament is what you sing and you say when you're in the groaning period. Got it? In the gap. And we're all in that. That's where we are now between the first coming and the second coming of Christ. It seems like it's intensified. So he says, think of lament as the transition between pain and promise. Isn't that good? So we are in that transition. And the transition's hard, folks. The transition is hard. These are difficult times. It is the path from heartbreak to hope. So I love those lines. It's helpless. We're going towards hope. But it's like, it's like Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the what? The valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil. So we're transitioning. Folks, we're transitioning. Just so you know, this isn't where it stops. This train is moving. <laughs> and it's glory bound. And so let's just sing the songs, right? Sing the songs on the way together. Psalm 79 is a song to sing between pain and the promise. Sing it together. Here's another quote from the book. Lament is, I like this, the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling. This is rich. Wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. So the Word of God allows you to wrestle. It's hard. There's questions. It's, it's not the way we would write it. We're all wrestling. And it allows you to wrestle in the process between the, parad- it's not, you know, he says, the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. Do you not sometimes say, God, you're good? <laughs> if I was God, I wouldn't do this. And so we're, we're, we're called to wrestle in the paradox of pain on the way to the promise of God. So I would just think of the song we just sang, Hallelujah, All I Have is Christ. As I was singing that, I said, you know, sometimes you can put the emphasis on that wrongly, and the word Hallelujah means praise the Lord. And sometimes I just don't want to say the word Hallelujah, because sometimes that doesn't mean a lot to us, because it's, it's not normal language. I just want to say, praise the Lord. All I have is Christ. That sounds to me like good news. All I have is Christ and all I need is Christ. And I have the good shepherd and the great shepherd who intercedes for me and who will never let me go. 
So this is good news. Listen to Timothy Tennant talk about what um, it is to, to, to lament. Sometimes the language of despair and the language of lament can be quite similar. So this is good. The difference is the destination of the journey. So just think about that for a moment. Sometimes you're listening to somebody groan and agonize, and I know you guys are doing this. As you're groaning and agonizing, the difference between lamenting and despairing is where you're headed, where this is leading to. So he says, uh, Timothy Tennant says, the destination of despair is hopelessness. The destination of lament is hope. And so as you, as you learn Psalm 79 and, and work through 79, you will see it starts out with the kind of groaning that none of us in this room have ever experienced. None of us. And it ends up in hope and praise. It is the end. It's not the arrival. It's the journey towards hope. And so he says, in our own lives, may we learn to embrace lament and not despair because lament is the song of hope. And so I want to just stop and say this. Um, parents, those of you at home and those of you here, be careful that you don't fail to um, teach your kids how to lament. Because a lot of times we try to shelter our kids from the pains of life and then we don't give them a path to hope. And so we have this kind of overly protective relationship with our kids rather than singing the songs of lament which anchor us in hope. We need to come along with our kids and say, this is difficult, but God is good. And then they go, well, if, it's, if God is good, why is this here? And then we go on and we say, because nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted by God. And this God is on the throne and he gave his son and he raised him from the dead and he's coming again and every ounce of pain will be transformed into something glorious. That's how the Bible, Paul says, this suffering is not worthy to be compared with the glory that is yet to be revealed. So here, I, as, as a spiritual father in the church, as, as, a, as a pastor to you, I want to give you a little bit of language. I want you to study Psalm 79. I want to give you a little language. I'm going to break it down for you a bit and show you how to lament so that it's in your heart and mind. And so here's, here's, what it's, here's how the psalm, I think, breaks down. First of all, lamenting is venting. Okay? So just, I think that's easy to remember. Lamenting. Do we vent? Right? <laughs> There's a lot of venting. I hear venting perpetually. We're, we, are, we are cauldrons of emotions and affections and convictions, and it has to come out. Lamenting is venting. Second thing, lamenting is repenting. Now, I don't have a, another word that rhymes with that after that, sorry. Um, I wanted to say lamenting is cementing, but it just it, it looked too forced. But the last part of it is lamenting is rejoicing, but it's rejoicing by faith. It's anticipatory rejoicing. And so let me just show you in the text what the writer here, what Asaph says, what he's teaching here. So let's go back, and I'll put it before you. Lamenting is venting. And um, can I say this? There's a difference between the venting of despair and the venting of lament. 
There's the difference between faith-filled venting and despair venting. And what happens in Psalm uh, 79 at the beginning is that the psalmist, as he, as Asaph writes this song of lament, what Asaph is doing is he's lamenting that in the misery of God's people, what has gone on is that God has been dishonored. And the question that you and I are meant to wrestle with in Psalm 79 is what is it that we lament most? Are we merely lamenting the loss of our idols or is what is disturbing us the loss of the honor of God amongst men? The glory of God. And the lament is that as deeply difficult as the suffering is as Israel, the primary problem is God has been dishonored his people, his people have been disdained. And the, the psalmist, Asaph, is pleading with God that God would defend his glory. Okay? Got it. So, so go to Psalm 79. Let me show you the introductory verses in Psalm 79. So uh, Psalm 79, beginning, O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. Who's he talking about? nation of Israel. They are God's treasured possession. That language is exactly what's used of the church in the New Testament. We are a royal priesthood. We are his treasured possession. We are a holy nation. Listen to what he says. They have defiled your temple. And this actually happened historically. It actually happened under Antiochus Epiphanes. In the couple of centuries, where the the where we get Hanukkah, the the Maccabean revolt, uh, the ruler, Seleucid ruler Antiochus Epiphanes came in. They did, they attacked Jerusalem and desecrated the temple by sacrificing a pig in the temple to Zeus, and that created the was part of what was going on in terms of the Maccabean revolt. But listen, listen to what he says here. It's your temple. It's your inheritance. They led Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the body of your servants, the bread of the heavens for food, and the flesh of your faithful to the beasts. And so what's gone on here, what Asaph is describing, is a horrific dishonoring, dismantling, destroying, dis degrading of the people of Israel. But the argument is, God, these are your people. The temple is your place of worship. It is you that's been spitting on. And the cruelty, he's talking about cruelty here. He's talking about the fact they came in, these people would come in, Nebuchadnezzar would come in, they come in and they destroy God's people and they leave them lying in the streets. No dignity, no human dignity, no, not, a, not a scoop of dirt, Spurgeon said, to cover their bodies in the street. Now as we read what's being said here, the psalmist is arguing for mercy from God because what's going on is the suffering of his people. The cruelty that has invaded humanity is because people have rejected the glory of God. And so here's the question that we ask in times of COVID. I think I, I had the whole list of times the temple's been destroyed and Jerusalem's been attacked. 
and, and God's people, even into the church. Here's the question I want to ask you during a time of COVID and a time of mourning and grieving. What are you grieving most? Because for the people of God, what ought to shape a lament, what biblical lamenting is, what, what causes us to grieve the most is that the honor of God and the love of Christ has been rejected. It's, it's not that the economy's threatened that is our greatest grief. It's that God is not respected and revered. Isn't that the problem with America? The problem of America isn't politics. It's worship. We've been made for what? We've been created for his glory. What's the chief end of man? According to the Westminster Second... Uh, the, the second no, what is it? Westminster Confession, second, uh, second question, second children's confession, whatever it is. It'll come to me in the middle. The, the question is, what's the chief of demand? To glorify God and, yeah, glorify him forever. That's what you've been made for. Listen to what Paul Tripp says about humanity. He says, God intentionally placed us in, and you talked about this, Mike, a world packed with, jam-packed with glory. From trees to flowers to mountains, from mashed potatoes to steak to lemonade, from thunderstorms to sunsets to snowfalls, all these things were designed by God to tingle our glory sensors. But it's important to understand that every created glory is meant by God to function as a spiritual GPS that points us to the glory that will only ever satisfy our hearts, the glory of God. Isn't that a great text? You've been made for the glory of God. You have glory sensors built into you. What is it that should cause us to groan in our lamenting? Everybody is suppressing the truth of God in their unrighteousness. Romans chapter 1. So, so I, I want to ask you that question. I'll give you a list of questions. You, 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 need to, you need to sit at the table with your kids and say, you've heard venting going on. How much venting has been going on that God's church is being oppressed across the world? Do you know that right now in Nigeria, they are considering calling it a genocide because thousands of Christians have been slaughtered while pastors have been killed while COVID has been going on. While we're counting COVID cases, God's people are being crushed by Boko Haram and another tribal group. What are we groaning about? Inconveniences? Not and they're real. But we're groaning over inconveniences when we ought to be groaning over the glory of God. Maybe that's a little harsh. Do you understand what's being said here? Lament is saying, God, here's the problem. The world does not fear you. It doesn't revere you. The problem with America is that we have on our money and God we trust, but we have in our world in money we trust. In military we trust. In economy we trust. In whatever we trust, but we don't trust in God. We don't fear and revere God. That's what should cause initial groaning. So that's the venting. Guess what that leads to? Repenting. Because when we start looking around the world at what the world is groaning over, we have to start looking in the mirror and asking this question, what have I been groaning over? Right? In fact, if you read the Old Testament, you'll see a very clear indictment. You know why Israel is being crushed by Babylon? 
It's because they have forsaken God themselves and served idols. It's their idolatry that's been confronted. And so while the psalmist here vents to God about the fact that God hasn't been glorified, he moves towards our memory verse this week, which is the fact that we need to be saved from our idolatrous hearts. And and again, I just put it to this. If you sat down at the table with your family and asked the question, what have you been venting about? The question that has to be asked of you and has to be asked of me is, am I venting because I'm losing the same gods as the world is groaning over? Right? And that's the indictment. That's the indictment of the Bible. The indictment of the Old Testament is Israel kept leaving its God. Jeremiah, read Jeremiah chapter 2, the first 13, 14 verses, and God asks this question, has there ever been a nation that's abandoned its idols or its gods? He said, but you have abandoned me. What did I, God asked the question, was I such a God that you couldn't trust me? And, and, And again, that's a challenge to me, and that's a challenge to all of us, when we're going through COVID, we act and rage and rant like God can't take care of us. My dear friends, God is not off the throne and his sufficiency is enough for whatever we'll face. But we talk and act somehow like it's in the governor's hands, not in the king of kings' hands. Right? We need to repent of that. Comes back and says, repent of your idolatry. This is what he says in, in Jeremiah chapter 2. My people have committed two, uh, two evils. One, they've abandoned me, the fountain of living waters. And two, they have dug cisterns that can't hold water. That's the indictment. Church, our hope is in not the Constitution, not the economy, not in the governor. My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me. Right? Do your kids believe that? I mean, I don't care if you say it with your lips. Do you show it with your life? That's the call to repentance. Don't we all need to repent? I need to repent on this. Because I just don't like my world being unsettled. And so that's what this psalm says. Now, I'm going to tell you a, a, a little important truth here. i got to go quickly. But we not only need to repent of our idolatry as Christians, we need to repent of our repenting as Christians. So let me show you our memory verse. Go to Psalm 79.9. Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of your name. Why should God help us? Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. I'll put this to you, and again, I don't have a whole lot of time this morning, but I'll put this to you. Um, a lot of reasons under times like COVID and pressure that people turn back to God is because they've lost their idols and they begin to negotiate with God to get their idols back. And one of the dangers during COVID would be that people would come to God because the world is turned upside down, but the goal in coming back to God is that God would restore their job, God would restore their comfort, God would restore their way of life. Everybody wants to get back to normal. We don't need to get back to normal, we need to get back to God. 
And so what's being said here is, here's the question. Why should God forgive America? Why should God forgive Kevin Dibley? There's only one reason. It's not because I can give him something, that my life will be better, that I'll I'll negotiate some sort of arrangement. God has one reason to forgive America, and that's because God is more committed to his glory than I am. That's, that's, That's what drives it. Read through Ephesians 1. This is why we bless God. Praise be to the God and Father, right? Blessed be the God who has chosen us from before the foundation of the world in him to be holy and blameless. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons. And he goes through the line of salvation and he has this phrase repeated, for the praise of the glory of his grace. You know why God forgives us when we're complaining and rebellious and idolatrous, it's not because we deserve it. It's because he's a gracious God and he wants to show a world that is undeserving that he's worthy to be trusted and should always be trusted. It's for the sake of his son that he does this. Andy, I don't know if you have the Piper quote um, that you can throw up there. The apex of the glory of God is the grace of God. If the glory of God is Mount Everest, the grace of God is his peak. What he means by that is if you want to think about the glory of God, you want to get the best picture of the glory of God, if you want to get the snow-capped mountain peak of the glory of God, get to the cross of Jesus Christ. Christ crucified and risen for sinners tells you what your God is like. When you wonder, God, are you good in a world that's going bad? The answer is clearest and, and most profoundly answered, he sent his son to die for you. Doesn't that answer the question of whether or not he's good? That son who died for you is coming back to get you. He ever lives to intercede for you. How many deserve it? How many deserve it this week? Nobody. But we pray, not to us, but to your name. Be the glory, right? God, forgive us for your glory's sake. So we need to repent of our idolatry, and we need to repent of the kind of repenting that does it to get back to normal, not to glorify God. We do what the world does, even our religion, right? We deny the glory of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the last part of of lamenting. It's repenting. It's venting, it's repenting, and finally it's rejoicing. What, what we do in, 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 in lamenting is we bring ourselves to the reminder that God has guaranteed that one day he will make all things new. One day COVID will be, will be ancient history. In this life we will never forget it. In eternity it will pale before the glory and beauty of a new heaven and a new earth and a reigning king. We won't say, wow, was that ever hard? We'll say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. So if you go down to the end of 79, you'll see this. That he, he, he talks about God delivering us, and then he talks about God, everybody is, is mocking you, 
But if you rescue us, we will praise you. So he says, let the groans of the prisoners come before you according to the great power. He's talking about them suffering. Preserve those doomed to die. Return sevenfold into the lap of our neighbors and taunts with which they've taunted you, O Lord. But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, we will give thanks to you. How long? Forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. So here's why um, lamenting is before the pain and the promise. Because we turn towards it and say, and you know, in the Old Testament, when they didn't have a a full view, and again, you hear Jesus, they're saying, put sevenfold on them for mocking you. Jesus said, put that sevenfold on me. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They mocked the very Son of God. They stripped him naked. They whipped him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They whipped the flesh off his body. They hung him on a tree in my place. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He did that to a bunch of COVID-complaining Christians who were more interested in their comfort than his glory, more interested in their kingdoms than his kingdom. Aren't you glad God forgives sinners? Aren't you glad that he forgives sinners? So listen to this. I'll go back to Mark uh, Vrogop's book. At some point in the future, the final word will be spoken. God is going to intervene, and lament is one of the ways we defiantly say, this is not over. Isn't that good news? Because of Jesus. And for Jesus' sake, COVID doesn't get the final word. And neither does Boko Haram and violent Islam, and ISIS, and whoever. This is not over. In fact, the pain that causes lament can create a longing for the future like nothing else. God redeems our suffering and puts us on the trajectory of praise. Don't you long for heaven more than you've ever longed for heaven? Maybe you need to put this book down, he writes, and thank God that this is not over. Christians long for the day when faith shall be sight. Until that, we lament by faith. One more quote from me. He says, the lament of Good Friday was answered three days later with the empty tomb. The greatest injustice in history became the greatest display of divine mercy. Tragedy became triumph. Lament was the voice in between. Lament is the Saturday between Good Friday and the resurrection. And my dear friends, that's where you and I sit in one sense. We're actually after the resurrection. But there is a sense where we're waiting for the resurrection from the dead, the new day to dawn, for Christ to return. That's what we're longing for. And he will make all things new. So friends, lament is the language. Put it in your heart. And when you find yourself venting, vent over the glory of God. And when you find yourself sinning in your heart over self, run and confess that you repent for the wrong reasons to the one who died for your complaining. Run to Jesus. Confess your sin. And sing of the glory of a new day dawning when he will make all things new. Is that good news? So if you haven't lamented, lament. So I got some questions. Andy, I was, almost forgot. I forgot in the first service. Can you throw the questions? Here's some discussion questions. It's good if you got somebody to talk to or even in your own heart. What, what bothers us most about the COVID crisis? 
And the answer should be, we got to ask that question honestly. What's bugging me most? Is it that God isn't glorified in all of this? Right? What does our venting reveal about our hearts? It's a good question to ask. It's a good question. Sit across from your spouse. Sit across from your roommate. Sit across from a friend and say, you've heard me vent for the last six months. What do you, you now have looked in my heart. What are my idols? What should, what should bother us most? What should we confess? Those are good conversations. And then finally, what should give us the greatest encouragement? What should give us the greatest encouragement? That Jesus Christ is King and Lord and coming again. Let's pray together. So dear God, as we have worshipped together today, and lamented, and as we're lamenting, give us vocabulary so that we don't vent just like we would without Christ, but that we vent to the glory of God. Help us to repent, dear God, not because we want to get our idols back, but we want our idols killed and Christ to be king in our hearts. And dear God, we long for the day. Come quickly, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Take away the groaning, the sorrow, the death, the sickness. Take it away and make all things new because you said you would. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were able to seek, savor, and share the all-surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to find out more about our church, submit a prayer request, watch previous sermons, go to www.waterbrook.church. Have a blessed week.